Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance-building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's show, and I say this on every episode. First, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you do so so that you never miss an episode. And second, you know that we have recently launched the Move the Ball merchandise store. So there is a link in the show notes. Go check it out. Get yourself some swag and rock that you're a part of the Move the Ball movement. As you know, together, we move the ball. Okay, for today's episode, I've got an awesome guest with us. And being Bama, I'm especially excited to have him on inside the huddle today. I'm ready to talk about his experience and share what he does to move the ball is Deontay Thompson. Hey, DT, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. And I'm excited to chat with you. We've been talking for a few months now about having you on the show. And I recently saw you in Baton Rouge. You were training with Ryan Clark and his business, which is DB Precision which we will chat about on the show. But let me just share a little bit about your background for our listeners. Deontay is currently an NFL safety who plays for the Arizona Cardinals. He played college football, like I said, at my alma mater, the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. And he was drafted in the fifth round of the 2019 NFL draft as the 139th overall pick by Arizona. Deontay is a two-time CFP national champion, being a member of both Alabama's 2015 and 2017 championship teams. All right, DT, you ready to move the ball? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Well, I always love having the Bama boys on the show for obvious reasons. We've had a few guys on, including a number of DBs, uh, Shaheem Carter, Shai's my guy, Jalen Armour Davis, Javier Arenas. Give all of them a quick shout out. And I just saw Shai recently uh, here in New Orleans. And I know, like you, he's training hard. And I know you both are going to ball out come season. So, Let's kick off our chat around training. Oh, one other thing I was going to say that you guys actually play the Shies with the Titans. You guys play the Titans in preseason, the last preseason game. So that'll be interesting to see. And we have a uh, we have a joint practice with them. So we'll be out there uh, in Tennessee for a week. And then after the week of practice, we'll play the game. Oh, nice. That'll be awesome. Yeah, it's, it's good to see the joint practices that the NFL is doing nowadays. So what I want to do is kick off our chat around training we're in the off season and I mean first off I was up there one day where you were training it was very very hot on the field when we were out there and uh, it takes a lot of discipline dedication to show up and be out there in the heat but that's what pro athletes they do they show up they put in the work no matter what the weather and uh, so as you're looking to get ready for training camp what are some of the things that you're really focused on this off season and improving upon one of the main things that I'm focusing on is just the foot efficiency, getting in and out of breaks on the field. Uh, you know, I want to make sure my strength and conditioning is up, which RC has been doing a great job at. I've, I've been training in the Baton Rouge for uh, going on three years now, and it's just been a pleasure to be here. 
the guys that we work with, their pleasure to be around, and the staff that RC put together does everything the right way, and they get me ready for the season the past two years. You know, they do a great job, and I love being here, and I love getting after it every every summer, every offseason. Well, Ryan Clark, RC, is an OG DB, and so he definitely knows what he's doing with all of you guys out there. So being elite is all about differentiation and separation, as you know. And so when you look at DBs that are elite in the league, what do you think that is those necessary skills to separate those elite DBs from others out there? Oh, I think the elite DBs all have great study habits just to put themselves in position to make great plays. You know, one of my favorite safeties is Kevin Byard. I've got the chance to work out with him and talk to him on a few occasions. And the way that he studies and processes the plays, just like all the great ones do, he's able to touch the ball a lot, be around the football, um, and have interceptions after interceptions. So that's the big thing that I take away uh, in all the elite safeties that I've been around and talked to. It's just film study, just knowing where to be at and making the game easier for you. Now, you're from Texas, and something I like to ask guys that come on the show is how they get into football. But being from Texas, I mean, that's a big football state. So what I want to ask you is what about football really made you fall in love with the game? Just being around my family, my uncles, my cousins, they all love the game. You know, a lot of them played in the town which I grew up in. So it made it very easy for me. I fell in love with it. And just being that I'm from Texas, football is is, is like a religion. It's kind of big out there. Towns shut down for Friday night games. You know, everybody's at the game. It's said that you can get away with a crime on Friday night because it's a ghost town. Everybody's at the game. But I wouldn't recommend trying that. But just to say. Yeah, don't 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 commit any crimes on Fridays or at all. But yeah, I mean, you don't mess with Texas and football. It's it's a big deal down there. And my listeners know that this whole move the ball movement started because I wrote a book on football called Move the Ball. And it was all about how you take football lessons and principles and strategies and apply them off the field to be successful. When you look at what the sport of football has taught you, I mean, people talk a lot about the teamwork, the discipline, the hard work. Those are like the obvious things. But if you look at other things that the game has taught you, what are some of those other lessons? One of the big lessons that it's taught me is just in the midst of a game, in the midst of life, things may not get off on the right foot someday. Some games may not be your games, but you you live and you learn from that. And I feel like that's the big experience that I got. You know, don't get too high on highs and don't get too low on the lows. You know, if it's your day, have a day. If it's not, just get back to the drawing boards and get better from it. That's definitely a great lesson. Just uh, take what you can from that experience and then focus on the next play. So you've been in the league for a few years now, going into year four. How has your perspective changed over the years regarding the NFL's being a business, you being a pro athlete, and how prepared do you think you were coming into the league that this is a business, this is a job versus just playing pro ball? I, I don't mean to say it like this, but I feel like nothing really was new to me except for like getting everything for yourself. So like meals, making sure you're doing that right grocery shopping that's something we didn't have to do at Alabama we would just go to Miss Amy and tell her what kind of groceries we needed or she would take us grocery shopping just like that was the only change you know football in itself I feel like Alabama prepared me to be in the situation you know in Arizona which is a great situation but it's kind of a a different situation due to the different coaching styles and coming from college to the pros it's more so like 
you got to do class and then you come back from class and then you go to practice, study hall. It's like now in the NFL, it's just football. And that's like, like school in itself because you're there all day. You have to study. You have to take everything seriously. So, I mean, I would just say it's, is that you don't have people pushing you. But the things that we did at Alabama set me up to be successful in the NFL. And I feel like that's why with the success that I have had in the NFL, it comes from a lot what we did at Alabama. For sure. And people refer to Alabama as NFLU, for example. I mean, they are used to putting people in the league and being professional football players. So it's not a program that might have one person come out of nowhere, you know, and be a one-off type of a, a school or someone that infrequently has players go into the league. So they definitely do a good job of preparing their athletes for that next level. So when you see rookies coming into the league, we had the draft a few months ago, and then rookies went to mini camps and, and OTAs and all that stuff. Making that transition from college to pro ball can be difficult for some players. Where do you see some of those struggles or challenges at? I would just say picking everything up. It is in the red shirt year to where like, I redshirted, so it was like kind of got to learn everything, like at a slower pace, toned down a little bit. And it's like when you come in as a rookie, it's not like anybody's anticipated to redshirt. If you can help contribute right away, then I guess that's what they, like in the essence, that's what they drafted you for, to come in and help right away. So those guys you see, like which I went through, was like picking up on the playbook, the different terminology. Because I feel like in an essence, it's all the same stuff that you do like through football. The schemes and everything are pretty much the same, no matter if it's high school, college, or pros. It's like X and those move around, but it's just at the, the terminology and at the pace. Because guys in the NFL are very, very smart. And if you're off by a second, if you're a step wrong, like that's the difference in the in the touchdown and the a good play. It's just, it's just very, very specific. So that's the thing that I feel like most guys coming in, it's just like the little things where you can out athletic someone in college, not everyone's an athlete in the NFL. And what it comes down to is basically like knowing the game and knowing what to do. Right. A lot of guys will talk about the speed of the game is different and everybody's good. And so you can't afford to make those little mistakes or you have to pay attention to those little details. So you're from Texas. You ended up going to Alabama. I know you had a number of other offers. Why Bama? I went to Bama because of Coach Saban. You know, I wanted to play for Coach Saban. And Alabama was actually my first college offer. It was my first visit. And I mean, everything about it just yelled out like, this is where I got to be. So, you know, I committed very early. I committed when I was a sophomore in high school. You know, all the other schools came in, but they didn't really have a chance, you know. So I just wanted to go play for Coach Saban because I knew that he gave me the best chance to become the best football player that I wanted to be. So, And Coach Saban is unquestionably a great coach, a great leader. What in your mind makes Coach Saban so great? You know, the way that he's able to coach and explain to us the ins and outs of the game. It's a lot of coaches to tell you, like, how to do it but a lot of them don't explain why you're doing it this way. And he was very good about explaining the whys of how to do stuff, when to do it. And it made it so much more easier for us. And we were able to go and make plays and, you know, win championships the way that we did. Like I mentioned, when I read your bio, 
you won, you were part of two national championship teams at Bama. The first one, Bama beat Clemson 45 to 40. The second, y'all beat Georgia 26 to 23. And uh, obviously that was a, a nail biter, a very close game. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But what was it like being a part of two championship teams and that Bama culture? Those were the best days of my life. Some of the best days, you know, and it was just all about like team camaraderie. Like the team was so together, like we loved each other. We fed off of each other's energy. And that's really like what you play the game for. It's just the relationship that you build, just going out there and having fun and just playing dominating style of football. Like I just loved it. And I feel like we all loved it. And that's why we got the results that we did. For sure. And you know, something I talk about a lot is no matter what you're doing, whether you're a football player, you're doing something in business, it, it's very important to align yourself with mentors and people that can help you to grow and to develop, to be your best self. Were there any players that you really uh, just kind of gelled with that you think really helped you to be a better player? I would say Eddie Jackson first got there. Minka, a guy who came into my class, like came in with me. Well, so it, it's really a lot of guys that I was able to lean on, like guys like Ken Robinson, who played like on the offense, offensive guys. Sean Robinson, he was a big influence. We were both from Texas, so I got to lean on him a lot. And it was it was a lot of guys that I was able to get good advice from and help me get through like the, the freshman year, not playing right away and just helping me learn the defense. So I'm very thankful for those guys. It's a pleasure and an honor to be able to call them like former teammates. Never know how uh, it's going to play out in my NFL career, maybe teammates with some of those guys again. So happy to be a part of that. Most definitely. So when you were a sophomore, you ended up playing in all 14 games. You started in a couple of games. And then 2018, you became a starter for the team. What were you doing to continue to improve upon your game and then just ensure that you would show out come Saturdays? I was film study. You know, I'm I'm a very big film guy. Basically, all I watched, like, my last two years at Bama, I barely cut on the TV. I was either playing the game or I was watching film. Just by watching a lot of film, the game was able to slow down for me. I anticipated a lot of the plays that were coming. You know, just put myself in position to make plays, and that's what I did. That's it's kind of the name of the game. Just anticipate what's coming and being able to read and react very fast. And in 2018, you ended up playing in all 14 games, had 78 tackles and two picks. After the 2018 season, you decided to forego your senior year and declare for the draft. Why did you decide to come out then? I just felt like it was best for me. I had already graduated in a situation to where it was it was my timing. And, you know, I just felt very good about the decision. And I feel like it was a great one. Now, I want to talk about your draft process and transition into the league. But before that, Let's talk about the second Natty beating Georgia. So in that national championship game, Bama beat Clemson in the Sugar Bowl and Georgia beat Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. Interestingly, both Bama and Georgia had lost to Auburn that season, which uh, always makes us cringe. So what was it like, you know, going into the national championship? I mean, what are you thinking and how are you staying locked in for that big moment? It was very, like, different. Like that one was very different because it was the SEC rivals. It was bragging rights within the conference. It was like, and it felt like a home game for both teams because, you know, that's where we played the SEC championship at. And over the last couple of times, we've been there a little bit more than Georgia. So I guess it's safe to say that Atlanta is like our second home. So I'm just going to throw that out there. 
it was just different. Like the, it felt like the crowd was right there on you. So I just enjoyed every moment of it. But just leading up to that game, it was all about just making sure I was putting myself or going to put myself in the best position to make plays. And just knowing that, okay, the other team, they're going to make plays too. This is going to be a dog fight. You're going to have to overcome some adversity, which we did. We were down 12-0, and we came back and we won the game. It's just all about the lessons that football's taught me in life. You may be down and out, but just keep fighting, keep chopping at that wood, and everything's eventually going to work out for you good. So. For sure. People will ask me all the time, Jen, why are you so into football or how did you get into it? And it was really watching games as a kid and seeing teams, you know, that were down, come back and and get the W because it was just pushing through that adversity and playing together as a team. Did it always happen? No. But the fact that it could happen, you know, I just saw teams being down three touchdowns, four touchdowns in the fourth quarter and seeing that comeback just intrigued me as a kid. And, and you know, I mentioned my move the ball book earlier. There's a chapter in there that talks about playing the full 60 and it's about playing every second until the game clock hit zero. So you guys in that game ended up tying the game 2020 and uh, head into overtime. So as you're going into overtime, what's going through your mind at that moment? I'm really just trying to stay calm, but at the same time, like I'm nervous and like, don't know what's going to happen. You know, we go out there, we get a defensive stop, which is pretty big. After the sack, Office got the ball back and they took the sack and it was second 26. And I'm just like, oh, man, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know if I'm going to watch the game. Like, I don't know if I just want to turn my back and just whatever happens, happens. And I remember on the play when like two or through the ball, I just saw him like get back in the pocket and throw it. And like, I just see the ball, see the ball, see the ball. And as it drops, it just drops right into Smitty's hands. And I'm like, I, my, my body just went in shock. Like, I couldn't even move. Everybody was running around. People were running to celebrate. And I was just like, we won this this fast. And this is my, like my second one. So it took some time for me to process everything that happened. Like, when I got back to the hotel room, I just sat there. I didn't sleep until we got on the plane to go back to Tuscaloosa. Like, I was talking to all of my friends and stuff in the room. And it was just like, bro, we, we really run the natty, like, in that that fashion and it was it was very cool and it's something that I'll never forget well it was definitely a stressful game for us watching as well and so for those that I mean I can vividly remember that game obviously since I'm Bama but for those that might not be familiar so the game was tied went into overtime Georgia ended up attempting a 51 yard field goal they got that field goal and then, uh, as you mentioned, Tua got sacked, 16-yard loss. It's second and 26. Tua ends up throwing a, I believe it was a 41-yard touchdown to Smitty. And, yeah, I mean, when he threw that pass, it was just like, and, and Smitty caught it. It was like, oh, my gosh, like that actually happened. It was pretty crazy to see. So as you look back at your time playing at Alabama, aside from winning the Natty, what would you say is the most memorable game or experience that you got to be a part of? I feel like the the most memorable game I would say like series was the Auburn series the implications on that game was just like none other people could talk about it all they wanted like you could go to the game as a recruit and see it but like until you're actually playing in the game that game is a big deal and I'm and I'm from Texas so like I know like rivalry games and how they're supposed to go and it was just nothing compared to that still like to this day like nothing compares to that like that's a game where like your record doesn't matter 
And it's like however the game goes, it's going to be a dog fight. It's going to be physical. You're going to be sore after the game. And it's just like you have to come in there and compete and pay the best man win. And I, I just love that. I feel like that was my best. Well, one of my greatest moments aside from winning the national championship is playing in the Harvard Series. Yeah, the Iron Bowl is definitely it's an incredible time. There's there's definitely, you know, Auburn hate week, Bama hate week, you know, leading up to the, the game. And uh, I've got a, a number of friends that played at Auburn in the league. So that week, we're not quite as friends. Uh, we're friends, but we're not. We keep a distance a little bit. So I want to talk about you transitioning into the league. So talk to so a lot of people don't really know how much work it is getting ready for the draft. So, I mean, once you're done playing in that final game, I mean, it's right to work. You're doing your pre-draft training and you're, you know, going all in, getting ready for the combine and all stuff. Now for you, you ended up having what you've called before a freak accident in the weight room. And so you weren't able to do positional drills at the combine. Tell us about how did you, how did that accident happen? And you had to have surgery on your wrist. And so just talk about kind of mentally where you, where were you at with all of this? I was in the weight room and just going to do bench press. And I went up and my wrist kind of popped back. And, you know, I went to rack the weight up and it was just kind of feeling funny. And I was just telling the guys that I was training with, I was like, you know, it's kind of hurt. So we went to the doctor and found out that I had torn ligaments in it. I had a few different options, but the best option all boiled down to me getting surgery, which was a tough decision because I really wanted to go to the combine and compete, but just knowing what was at stake, I had to get the surgery done. So got the surgery done, went down to the combine, did interviews with the team and just being at the combine and not being able to compete. It was really painful. I was really like heartbroken because that's something that I worked for in a point that I wanted to get at basically my whole life. You know, ever since I was able to, remember seeing the combine on TV. I just always wanted to be there. And I was I was there, but I wasn't able to compete. That's kind of like a, you know, opportunity that you don't get back. So I was very heartbroken. I was very hurt. But just being able to get there and interview with the coaches, you know, seeing my teammates, seeing guys that I played against, it was a really great experience. And, you know, it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, but I'm blessed and I'm thankful for it. Something you had said was afterwards was everything happens for a reason. I didn't get too down on it. It's a blessing in disguise. Like when you look at it being a blessing in disguise, what did you mean by that? Maybe that wasn't the right time to do stuff. Like I look at everything as a, what if I wasn't supposed to do this? What if I wasn't supposed to do that? Or what if God was just stopping me from doing this or doing that? For what reason? I don't know. But that's how I look at things. And that's how I try to process things out. Well, I love that because I tend to have a similar kind of thought process. I mean, everything that we go through, I believe, happens for a reason is meant to take us in the direction we're supposed to go. And so when when you trust in that and have faith that what's happening is the right thing to put you on the path you're meant to be on, it makes it easier to process through those experiences. So let's talk about the draft. So 2019 draft, you get the phone call that you're being picked up by the Cardinals. What is that like? I was surrounded by my family, you know, it was, it was one of the greatest moments ever. And, you know, I answered the phone and I was just ready to go, just excited. You know, I celebrated with my family that night, celebrated the next day, then got back to training. And I reported to a rookie mini camp. You know, I talked to a few of my teammates from Bama and it was like, oh, well, we, we're down here for three days. 
and we got to go back home or whatever. So I'm thinking that it's going to be like that in AZ. So I come with it like a, you know, just a little duffel bag full of clothing, just thinking that I was going to be able to go back home. And, you know, I see the guys get off the plane, and like get on the bus with like big old duffel bags and stuff. I'm like, man, they're like, man, we're going to be here for a long time. So I had to call my mom and tell my mom to send me some more clothes and stuff, send the rest of my clothes. That was a little funny experience, but, you know, once I got down there and got adjusted to everything, I was, I was pretty good. And so you went through rookie mini camp, OTAs, training camp. Is there anything interesting aside from learning that you needed more clothes that you picked up on while you were there that was kind of eye opening for you? For the first national championship, we played in we played in Phoenix Stadium that we played in for the Cardinals. And before going back after I got drafted, I don't really I didn't really remember too much, so. I didn't know anything about the heat or anything. And it was just very, very hot. Like, and everybody telling me when I got drafted, like, man, you're going to the desert. I'm like, I mean, I don't think it's the desert. Like, it's, it's just Arizona. <laughs> and then just going through minicamp and OTAs, like, the heat there was just, it was bad. But got through it, was able to push through it. So now when I experience it, it's not a big of a deal. So here's a question for you, because it gets very hot in Arizona, and that heat is a dry heat. You're training in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge is hot and humid. Which is worse? I would say the the hot and humid. Just down here, like the down south. You know, the humidity is it's just hard to breathe in, like hard to catch your breath. Like coming from out west, you know, being that it's dry heat, it's just the sun's just right up on you. I feel like being down here is worse. Yeah, that humidity, it really, really does get you so you transitioned to the league your rookie season you ended up playing 11 games had 18 tackles what was that first season like for you first season was you know it was pretty solid I feel like it was things that I did very very well and some things that I needed to work on coming into the next year but just being able to be out there just playing games you know it was just like a dream come true but at the same time like I had to come with it every week that I did play because those those guys out there were for real. Yeah, something that's important no matter where you're at, if it's on the football field, in business, it's important to have good leadership. And I've asked other guys on the show before what they thought the qualities of a good leader in the NFL needed to be and how that's different from college. So when you look at your experiences, what do you think are the necessary components of good leaders, good team captains in the NFL? And how is that different than when you were at Bama? What I feel like it all really ties in together. I don't feel like it's that big of a difference for me. I feel like a leader is someone who leads by example, who who shows great work, that does everything right on time, you know, shows up to work prepared and does stuff the right way. That's the leader to me. It's been the same everywhere. Coach Saban preached the the same thing to us. I feel like the the leaders in Bama were very equivalent to the leaders that I saw in the NFL. Sure, at Bama, you definitely got a high standard there that they set for for leadership. And it's not just because I'm biased because I went to Bama, but I mean, I think people across the board will appreciate that uh, they just have a really high standard that they set for themselves. So mental toughness is something we hear a lot about in sports. You got to be mentally tough, stay locked in, no matter what happens on the field, just got to keep going. But it's also important to have that mental toughness to be a pro athlete 
and to balance all the demands. Like people think that being an NFL player is just fun and you get to, you, know, you make all this money and you get to just drive cars and, and, but it's a lot of work, right? You're training right now. You're out there in a hundred degree weather. It's not all the glitz and glamour that people think it may be. I think social media has helped kind of shine a little bit more visibility on the other elements of being an athlete. But when you look at just being a professional football player, what are some of the things that you have to balance? And, you know, what do you see players struggle with? I'm not looking for any names, but just like what kind of things do you see are challenging? Well, the things that you have to balance out is some people just see that, okay, like these guys play football, you know, it's not like really a job in the essence, but it's a job and it's a very hard job at that because the job part is taking care of your body, making sure you're working out, making sure you're putting the right intake of things into your body. And it's very tough, as easy as it may sound. Like you got to make sure that, okay, you're eating this or you're drinking this or you're working out this at this time, you're working out at this time, you're getting the proper massages, you're getting the proper I would say treatment to your body, just taking care of the stuff. And it's very hard, like figuring out that's why but you make sure that you put the right team around you to to help you do those things. And it can get very challenging as well. So you know just prioritizing that stuff. And then you know, guys have families. Me and my girlfriend are expecting a baby girl pretty soon. So, you know, life will change for me, you know, in a drastic way because I have a a baby to look after, you know, so I have to prioritize that because that'll be my main priority whenever she gets here and then football and stuff will come second. So just prioritizing that stuff and getting it all together, that'll be the main thing for me. You know, you just see some guys struggle with just prioritizing that stuff, you know, seeing everything for what it is, just like the glitz and glamours, driving the cars and having nice things, having jewelry and clothes. And they get caught up in that and really see them pan out well because that's all that they see, but they don't really see everything. Like the things that I just stated, they go into that. So as long as you put that first, everything else will follow. For sure. Now, at some point, football will eventually come to an end, hopefully not for quite some time yet. Have you thought about what you might want to do once you're done with football? Definitely want to do real estate. Uh, That's a big thing. I've been looking into real estate very hard. My girlfriend is actually about to become a real estate agent in the state of Texas. So that'll be very big. So I'll be able to lean on her and she'll show me the ropes. And I want to get into coaching. That's always been a desire of mine. And just the knowledge and everything I learned from being around a lot of greats, Coach Saban, many coaches that I had to now with RC, just soaking up game from them and just being able to give that back to the younger generation that will be amazing to do and I'm I'm looking forward to that. Now RC is always you know dropping great nuggets he's got his podcast and he's always educating players and shining light on things that go on with professional athletes if you and he's, he says so many great things but if there was one thing that you think is like the most valuable piece of advice that he said to you what would that be? The greatest RC quote that I've ever received was this isn't a life of do-overs. You don't get the, the grace to do this over, like this life. We, we get one attempt at it. And whatever you desire, whatever your aspirations are, I feel like that you should go and attack it. You know, so mistakes will be made along the way. Just chalk it up and get back to the drawing board. 
And I feel like the successful ones, they just, they fall down numerous times, but they get back up and they keep chopping at the wood. And I feel like that's the name of the game. The moment that you give up is the moment that you don't really have anything to stand on. And if you love what you do and you're passionate about you do, you're going to go through it until something happens. 100%. And so I'm going to ask you the same question, but for Coach Saban, who also gives lots of great nuggets. I would say Coach Saban, biggest advice that he gave me was just to be where my feet are. Always, always be present where you're at. You know, your mind can't race on a lot of things. And as humans, our minds tend to be in a million places at one time. We somehow forget about the task that's going on right now in the present. And it's just always be where your feet are. So that's something that I try to do every day. Be where you are. Just attack what you have going on and then take it all one step at a time. For sure. It's a definitely a great piece of advice. And some of my listeners know that I'm about to release another book in the fall. And in that book, I do talk about being where your feet are. So it's a very important piece of just being able to show up. To, so the book is all about how you show up to life the right way to move the ball. And so being where your feet are is a very important component to that. All right, DT, what I want to do now is I want to run you through my two-minute drill to close the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was 10 years old. I really wanted to be like Michael Jackson. Oh, all right. Because of how he dances or how he sings or both? Because of how he danced and how everybody, like the ladies, were always on him. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Intelligent, determined, and handsome. Great choices. What is one thing most people don't know about you? I took ballet when I was five years old. Oh, that's interesting. I would not have thought that. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Hove, Jay-Z. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? book I'm reading is Relentless by Tim Grover. Oh, that's a good book. Next, you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? LeBron James, Michael Jackson, Adam Sandler. Why those three? LeBron is my favorite athlete of all time. Michael Jackson, because he's an icon and everyone's going to come. And I would say Adam Sandler because he's my favorite actor. Okay, great three choices. Next question is, do you sing in the shower? Depends on what day you kiss me. And would would your girlfriend say that you're good? Yes. Oh, very nice. All right. So I got another question for you since you shared with us that you took ballet. How has taking ballet helped you to be a better DB? <laughs> I, really, I, really know. I, don't, I don't really know because I was, um, and you know, when it was time to play football, my dad pulled me out. But it was something that I wanted to do because we used to drop my cousins off to practice. And I always used to be jumping on the trampoline and like trying to do flips and stuff. So my mom was like, I'm going to send them over there. I enjoyed it for, I just did it for a year. So I don't think, think it had anything to do with my football game. It's just. I got you. I just thought I would ask the question. So as we look to close the show, do you have any last thoughts for our listeners? I would just tell everyone listening and just attack the day. Just stay focused on what you have to do and enjoy life, man. You only get one life. Just enjoy it. Love it. And let people know where are you at on social media? Where can they follow you as you go on your journey? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at playmaker underscore DT. 
currently don't have a Twitter right now, locked out, still trying to get my password back, but you can just follow me on Instagram for now. All right, perfect. We will have that in the show notes so people can follow you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you liked today's episode, please share it with someone else or more, one or two or three people. That's one way you could help me to move the ball. Also, if you haven't done so, subscribe to the podcast, hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, leave us a review as well. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.